you are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On NFL, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the Podcast Network on Twitter at Locked On NFL Pods. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked On NFL our week four recap show brought to you by Visa. Help support your local businesses, whether it's your corner store, your coffee spot, or favorite shop. Local businesses have always been there on your team, supporting you and your community. Right now, though, they need your help more than ever. So let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol to tap and pay with contactless visa to help support your local community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. Week four did not have the best slate of games, and it was marred by not one but two COVID stories. The Titans and the Steelers matchup had to be move to later in the year. The Titans still have a schedule that is very much up in the air given what's going on in Tennessee. We will, of course, get to that. The Patriots-Chiefs matchup that was supposed to be the game of Week 4 is moved to Monday night. Monday night is going to be shared now between Packers-Falcons and Chiefs-Patriots. There was still plenty to get to on Sunday. The Houston Texans season may be very much in trouble along with Bill O'Brien's future there. They lose to the Vikings 31 to 23. The the Arizona Cardinals again put together a disappointing performance. They fall to the the Carolina Panthers 31-21. And we saw some games that that played out mostly the way we thought they would. The Bills took care of business against the Raiders. The Colts held off the Bears in a rock fight in Chicago, and the Eagles with an upset win 25-20 on Sunday night against a super banged-up 49ers team. C.J. Beathard came into that game, not because Nick Mullins got hurt, but because Nick Mullins was so impossibly bad in that game, making turnovers and, and poor decisions all over the place. But there were some big games that I didn't mention, and we're going to talk about some of them because our Monday show is the biggest stories with our local experts. Unfortunately, one of the stories, if not the story of the weekend in week four was a game that is not being played in week four, and and the Tennessee Titans may not play in week five now, given what has gone on with that team and a COVID-19 outbreak to give us the latest with what is going on with the Tennessee Titans, host of Locked on Titans, Tyler Rowland joins us. And Tyler, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that just to kick this off, you can give the audience a little bit of a rundown of what's happened, the timeline here, because I know that's a lot to keep track of, a lot to keep straight. I know that I have had to you know, double and triple check as I try and put these pieces together. 
Yeah, there's a lot going on right now. It is, as you mentioned at the top, unfortunate news. But nonetheless, it is something that we thought could happen during this NFL season. So things really kicked off uh, earlier in September. The the big story that people probably first heard was about the Titans outside linebacker coach Shane Bowen. But really the first instance that we saw was Greg Maben from the practice squad of the Titans. A cornerback came in on September 24th. He tested positive, and then two days later, we got word of outside linebacker coach Shane Bowen testing positive on Saturday. He did not make the trip with the team to Minnesota to play the Vikings after his positive test on Saturday. So that's where things seem to have start with Mabin and Bowen, not to blame anyone individually, but just, you know, chronologically speaking, that's where we saw it go. And then we got the rash of positive tests coming out of the game that started on Monday, and it's led to uh, 10 Titans players from here. We have defensive lineman Daquan Jones and defensive lineman Jeffrey Simmons, wide receiver Adam Humphreys, wide receiver Cam Batson, practice squad tight end Tommy Hudson, outside linebacker Kamale Correa, rookie cornerback Christian Fulton, Titans offensive tackle Isaiah Wilson is a rookie, but he's actually been on the COVID list since September the 6th. Um, along with defensive back Greg Maben. And then today, well, Sunday, you'll be hearing this on Monday. Sunday, we got reports that there was another Tennessee Titans player that has tested positive. We don't know the name of that player at this time. So we're up to 20 cases Mm. within the organization at this time. And uh, best case scenario at this moment seems the Titans could get back into the building on Wednesday or Thursday. And it does put the game against the Bills in week five in some, some grave jeopardy. Yeah, and and the tests throughout the week, that part of it is not necessarily weird because this is a virus with an incubation period, uh, you know, between three to five, but as many as seven mm-hmm. and even 10 days. So the fact that we're not seeing or that we are continuing to see new positives is not necessarily evidence that the transmission has continued. But the NFL is now investigating uh, what went wrong in Tennessee, whether or not protocols were broken. Of course, the Titans say we didn't do anything wrong. But the NFL and the NFLPA is saying, well, our protocols work. Look at all the other teams. And, And it is worth mentioning here that the Vikings have not had any positive tests all week. Yeah, right now, uh, based on uh, uh, earlier information from Chris Mortensen from ESPN, I mean, the Titans are having a 20-case outbreak when all these other teams have one or two. I believe there are 14 players on the COVID uh, reserve mm-hmm. list at this time in the NFL, and 10 of them are Tennessee Titans. So while we are in the middle of a pandemic and it doesn't necessarily feel great to place blame or say, you did this wrong, you did this wrong, the risk is great, and we knew that, it it is logical, only logical, that at some point we have to look at the procedures and the protocols that the Titans were either following or not following because an, an outbreak of this level compared to what we're seeing around the league, not only during the season, but since they started things off with the modified training camp, I mean, at some point you do have to take a look at what's going on and not just chalk it up to it's a pandemic. The Titans, clearly, I'm not saying they should be blamed at this time, but I do not blame the NFL and the NFL Players Association for wanting to take a look at what's going on. Certainly, and and we have seen that the protocols have changed even in the last week. Um, they, they've gone to Sunday testing, day of testing, where where we can get the, the results before players are allowed to play in the games. Um, it, it does make you wonder why that was not the plan all along Always. From, from the perspective yeah, it, of, confusing. yeah, I don't, I, I never understood it uh, from the perspective of if you could do that, why right, not? If that was know? always on the table, 
why wasn't it the thing <laughs> from the beginning? And that's from the NFL and the NFLPA. They had to jointly agree to yes. these protocols. So it just doesn't right. make sense why that wasn't always the deal. There was a great line, a, a sort of a throwaway line in one of the ESPN newser articles that was like, it's unclear why the NFL and NFLPA, or neither the NFL nor the NFLPA could explain why that hadn't always been the case. And it was just sort of like yep. a, a really damning sentence because we we, we were yes. at this point in part because of that. Spinning this forward a little bit, the Tennessee Titans are a, a team that I think a lot of people expect to be a, a playoff team. Ryan Tannehill ha- has continued his strong play from last season. How do you go now two weeks, this incredibly weird situation with with guys on the on, on a COVID list where they, they can't participate and you're still a team trying to to make this all work here? Where does the where does the team go from here once they can start playing again? Well, I think one of the things that has to be mentioned early on is the NFL did expand the practice squad this year and change the way that transactions are made to help deal with something like this. So the Titans will have to rely on their practice squad. I do believe that they have one of the better general managers in the league and John Robinson. So you're going to have to rely on the depth of the roster. But I, I can't lie from a football perspective. You see cluster uh, issues at wide receiver when the Titans were already missing A.J. Brown. You see issues at cornerback with Christian Fulton going down, that's one player. But when you consider that the Titans maybe had the slowest set of starting corners in the NFL with Jonathan Joseph and Malcolm Butler and Adoree Jackson was already out, now you take Christian Fulton, the rookie out, who's probably been their second best or best corner so far this year. Uh, From a football perspective, it's going to be challenging. But I think the biggest effect is on the defensive line. The Titans were already the fourth worst rushing defense in the NFL, even at 3-0. And Jeffrey Simmons arguably has been their best player on the entire team and one of the better players in the NFL this year. So you take out Jeffrey Simmons, you take out Daquan Jones, the other starting defensive lineman in their nickel package, and you're going to be playing fifth-round rookie Lorel Murchison and an undrafted free agent from 2019 and Isaiah Mack, both who have under a 35 overall grade from pro football focus and run Oof. defense, and they it, the film matches up. They have been getting blown <laughs> off the ball multiple times in Minnesota against a Minnesota offensive line interior that's not even that good. Murchison was blown off the ball 8 to 10 yards on running plays, and Dalvin Cook had a career high in rushing yards. So uh, I would say out of all of the issues on the defensive line, the Titans are going to be really struggling, and if they do play Buffalo, that's a good offense with a, a good backfield. After that, they play Houston, who doesn't have a great rushing offense, but at that point in time, you might be able to get them going. So uh, it's not just these upcoming games, too. Uh, from a human perspective, you hope all of these guys are able to recover. But, you know, you've heard of issues with respiratory systems and, and your conditioning after even recovering and getting back yep. on the field. So the Titans are going to be in a tough spot and their depth will be challenged. But, uh, you know, it, it's football. We knew this was going to be the case and, and no one's going to be making excuses for them going forward. No, and, and hopefully there are no excuses that need to be made. Hopefully the protocols were followed and this right. is just something Thing that was a, a really unfortunate series of events. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably not the last kind of conversation we're going to have, hopefully not with the Titans, but we knew there were going to be cases. We knew this was going to happen. And so hopefully uh, this, this is contained here in Tennessee moving forward. Tyler, I appreciate it, man. Not a problem. Hopefully next time I'm on the show, we're talking about uh, some football. There you go. All right, more to come here in just a little bit on Locked on NFL. But before we get to it, let's talk about 
what you're having for dinner or what you're having for lunch or what you're having for whatever your next meal may be. Let DoorDash bring you whatever you're in the mood for. They have 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia ready to bring food to your door. Now, obviously, if you're, you know, you're in Seattle, you can't get Australia's food, but you can get great food from Seattle because that's what DoorDash is here to bring you. Continue supporting restaurants in your community safely. There are thousands of restaurants open for delivery on DoorDash that need your patronage now more than ever. Support your favorite on DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKEDON. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. Today's episode is also brought to you by Roman. Roman can help with the difficult conversations because talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually you might just brush it off or you say something like, I lost my mojo. I'm just not feeling it tonight. I had a long day at work. These are the things that men can often put off because we don't want to have those discussions. Well, Roman wants to make it easy to do it and easy to do it with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, it's safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan, and if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. Getting started is easy. Just go to GetRoman.com slash NFL and complete an online visit. That's GetRoman.com slash NFL. One of the biggest COVID-related headlines so far in the NFL season was Cam Newton testing positive and throwing the entire Week 4 slate into flux. They moved the game from Sunday to Monday night. They pushed back Packers-Falcons. And the New England Patriots are going to have to take on arguably the best team in football now with a backup quarterback, taking a little bit of shine off of what was supposed to be a marquee matchup, helping me to break it down. Mike DeBate, host of Locked on Patriots, here with me now. And Mike, uh, the, the Cam Newton alert, the news break that everyone got and everyone you know had their jaw hit the floor on, what was your first reaction when you saw the news? Uh, surprise, just like everyone else. Uh, Cam had actually been praised very heavily by Bill Belichick just the day before about his preparedness, his health, all the positive contributions he had made to the Patriots organization. And none of that changes with a positive test. I, compl- I definitely don't want to insinuate that. But it just it was angling toward a great matchup uh, between two very good teams. Uh, obviously, the defending champion, Kansas City Chiefs, a formidable task even with Cam Newton, the quarterback. But The fact that he did test positive was concerning for a lot of people. Naturally, the first thing that comes to your mind is you are concerned about his health. You want to make sure his well-being going forward is going to be okay. Uh, Obviously, he's on the COVID-19 reserve test, meaning that his test was not a false positive. He did uh, have a positive test. That's confirmed. So now it becomes whether or not he's going to, uh, you know, be able to return. Uh, If he is uh, symptomatic, uh, he can return after 10 days. If he's asymptomatic, he'd be 
be able to return after five days following receiving two straight negative tests at least 24 hours apart. So he's definitely out for this game against the Chiefs. Right now, uh, the game against the Broncos next week is still in flux. It's still very much up in the air. I would say unlikely, uh, but not impossible. But naturally, I mean, it definitely puts a damper on this game for Patriots fans. But ultimately, it's next man up. New England Patriots are not the type to use a, oh, we have to take on the defending champions with our second or third string quarterback as an excuse. They won't do that. They'll go in, try to give them as best a game as possible. But it's a tough task at the level that uh, uh, Kansas City is playing at right now. Ian Rappaport reported on Sunday that the Patriots were leaning toward starting Brian Hoyer on Monday against the Chiefs, not Jared Stidham, who we were told all offseason was the guy and they were happy to be the guy. Were you surprised that was the decision? Assuming that is the decision they ultimately make, is that surprising to you? Uh, Not very surprising, considering one of two factors, Peter. First of all, Hoyer has been uh, active for the last three games. Jared Stidham has actually been a healthy scratch throughout the first three games of the season. Now, some of that is, in fact, due to the fact that he did have a groin injury during training camp. Now, by all accounts, Jared is healthy. He's not uh, still feeling the effects, but it did stop his progression or at least slow his progression of being able to assume that number two quarterback role behind Cam Newton. The second reason, I believe, is just the fact that you're asking a lot of a essentially a rookie quarterback. I know it's his second year, but it would be his first NFL start. You're asking him to go into Kansas City on very little preparation against the Chiefs with all the circumstances surrounding this game with the COVID-19 scare. I think in a lot of ways, that's not the ideal situation to put Jarrett Stidham in in order to allow him to succeed. So the Patriots going with Hoyer here, you have a steady presence, a veteran presence. You have someone that has run the scout team very well for the Patriots, even played the part of Patrick Mahomes at times in scouting in the past when Tom Brady ran this offense. Uh, I think going with Hoyer here is probably the smarter decision Not an indictment on Jarrett Stidham and his ability, just simply, I think, a better fit and a better way to go about progressing, which is going to be a very tough game for the Patriots, no matter the circumstance. Yeah, and and to your point, uh, I think it makes what Justin Herbert did against the Chiefs coming in on literally no notice and performing as well as he did makes that seem even more impressive. Uh, It it should be a good one. It it means we're going to be up late uh, uh, watching all these games on Monday, but more football. Bring it on. Thanks, Mike. Absolutely. My pleasure, Peter. Thank you for having me on today. In terms of on the field storylines, it looked like at the halftime of the early games, we would be sitting here talking about what's going on with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They trailed Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers 24-14, but Tom Brady throws five touchdown passes. He does what he does so well, what he is famous for, the comeback and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are back on track three and one and looking good in the NFC South here to talk through it all with me, David Harrison, host of locked on Buccaneers and David, I am struggling to figure out how I feel about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because, uh, this is a great example. They, they don't look good for a half and then they look great for a half. They didn't look great in week one against the saints, but they looked pretty good in, in weeks two and three against lesser teams. What am I supposed to think about this team? Uh, I mean, I think that's the uh, the question that everybody's trying to answer right now. I mean, we we kind of know what the identity, at least, of this offense is supposed to be, right? It's supposed to be 
Uh, it's supposed to be a running game that helps set up the pass because obviously the play action is what they want to get done. And, and that's where Tom Brady kind of seems most comfortable, at least. And then, you know, utilizing some of the size over here and then some of the speed over here. But for some reason, it's just it's a Jekyll and Hyde type of situation where every single week we've seen one half this team comes out and executes, you know, almost beautifully. And then the, the next half or in this week's case, the first half, they come out and, and almost can't do anything. And I actually kind of thought to myself when they scored against the Chargers on their first possession to open the game, I kind of went back to that New Orleans game. I said, well, you go. So they're starting off hot again. Let's see if they can maintain this momentum. And then there you go. You know, you have the pick six, which you also had the pick six in the New Orleans game. So just kind of eerily similar, except at least in this case against the Chargers, they were able to come out in that second quarter or second half, rather, put it all together, play complimentary football, and then come out with a victory. Whereas in New Orleans, they just kind of continue to struggle. So I think in that case, at least, there's a little bit of encouragement around, you know, Bucks Nation, if you, if, whatever you want to call it, that there's some growth happening there because you can clearly see in week four, a different team came out after halftime than they did in week the, one. The problem is, as you as you stated it, in terms of growth, is we haven't seen the growth of them playing four quarters. And it seems like if they're able to do that, this can be a, a really dangerous team. The problem is the penalties and some of the, you know, the turnovers, the drops. I mean, Ronald, I'm just receiving word Ronald Jones dropped another pass. Uh, and so how do they get to that next level? Because with the NFC the way it is, it is wide open. And if this team can be clicking on all cylinders for four quarters, why can't they be the best team in the conference? I mean, honestly, right now, from what we've seen just across the NFL, I think, or especially the NFC, I think that if they can put it together for four quarters, I think, honestly, they're the most complete team at least on paper, once you step onto the field, that's where the problems run. And so you see Seattle, and you know they've got obviously an MVP candidate in Russell Wilson, but then their defense, at least so far, has been giving up a lot of points. Some of that is because teams are having to throw so much against them anyway to try to play catch-up. You look at the Green Bay Packers, you know them very well, obviously, have, a, have an MVP caliber quarterback. They've got a lot of talent on their, on their team as well, but I think the Buccaneers, if they're firing on all cylinders and they can get the defense clicking as, as well as they can and the offense can reach their potential, then they can they can stack up you know side by side with the Packers and the Seahawks and I really think that's just kind of the the best competition in the NFC that there is right now throughout this part of the season. So really, it's just about getting. I think continuity is going to be a part of it. You know, the offense is still yet to have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin on the field at the same time, completely healthy. That's a big part of it. OJ Howard, we got word after the game has a ruptured yep. Achilles. He's done for the season. So now they've got to bring Cameron Bray into the fold, and he's been playing that third tight end role. Now he's got to pick up. And presumably, he's either going to play that first tight end role and leapfrog Rob Gronkowski in, in some way, shape, or form, or Rob has now got to become the main guy where he's been kind of able to just kind of fill in where he needs to, and then they take advantage of matchups as they get him. So if he's got to step up and be that number one guy, that's a role he hasn't had to fill yet. I mean, Scotty Miller is stepping up really well. Justin Watson actually had a pretty good game for catches 40 yards himself, which is kind of buried in the stat deck from whatever everything else that happened. So they've got some guys who are contributing. It's just every single week. There's a new guy that's got to rise up the depth chart, a new guy missing a game, so on and so forth. So if they can ever get a little bit of time on a solid platform to get together, then I think we can see it come together. But, you know, we're going to see how what happens. I mean, Mike Evans was banged up this entire game. Chris Godwin really not expected to play Thursday. So, I mean, if they've got to go into Chicago with Justin Watson and Scotty Miller uh, and no O.J. Howard, I mean, that's, that's an entirely new offense that you now see Tom Brady taking on the field. So it's just one more week where we're going to witness something's growing pain. Yeah, and and you know, they've scored 38 points and didn't have Chris Godwin. And and as you mentioned, Mike Evans not 100%. I mean, that's pretty scary what they could be capable of doing 
when they are 100 percent right. healthy. I'm, I'm wondering about this defense, though. Justin Herbert, you know, despite some of the pressure, was able to find guys all day. And and this is a Chargers team that right now, I mean, they're playing. Austin Eckler goes out early in that game for what looks like a long-term injury. They're playing with Keenan Allen and yeah. and the Calabasas YMCA flag football team at receiver, and and the Bucks couldn't stop them. This is, you know, the the I would say the Bucks have played two games against two teams that I think are average or better, and two teams that are below average and the defense has looked decidedly different against those two opponents. So I guess I have to ask the same question. Is this Bucks defense actually good or are they, are they only good against bad teams? I mean, I think if we're speaking honestly, I think they're a top 15 unit, which is still good. You know what I mean? But it's not necessarily the top five unit that a lot of people want them to be. And I think that they have the potential to reach that, but this secondary is still yeah. very young. And I think that's a little bit of what we saw today. You know, like you said, a lot of those, wide receivers of the Chargers had come out there. There's no game film on them. One of those guys who caught, I think, the 72-yard touchdown, he was on the practice squad last, <laughs> field, so no, or last week. So nobody knows who this guy is. Nobody has NFL game film on him. So the things that he was out there doing, the way that the Chargers were trying to get him involved, are things that this defense you know, couldn't – I mean, let's say they couldn't scheme for it, but these, these the defensive backs couldn't have studied and watched him do these things and prepare for his moves, the way he likes to set things up, et cetera. And that's a little bit of an excuse because these are NFL cornerbacks. They need to be able to go out there and just kind of react and play within their scheme and, and execute the things that they need to do. But one spot, one false step, one missed move, one bite where you shouldn't bite. And a guy who's as fast as some of these wide receivers are in the NFL can take advantage of that. And Justin Herbert, I mean, this is yet another rookie. There's a few of them around the NFL. Fortunately for the Bucs, they have one in Antoine Winfield Jr. But Justin Herbert's another rookie. I, li I like Joe Burrow. These guys are showing that they were NFL ready coming into the league. No preseason, no real training camp, if you want to call it that. No OTAs, no mini camps. All those things that normal rookies have to help develop their NFL start. None of these guys had any of that, but they're still coming out and they're looking like NFL players. I've been telling Bucks fans on our show on Locked on Bucks all week not to sleep on Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers because I think Herbert looks a lot more polished than people really expected him to coming into this year. I mean, the Chargers themselves didn't plan on starting him. They yeah. were forced to when Tyrod Taylor took a medical needle to the lung. So uh, I don't, even they weren't really expecting this, but I think Justin Herbert has impressed a lot of people. And today, he definitely earned the respect of the Buccaneers defense. No doubt about it. I mean, in in, the, in a year where it's the worst year in modern NFL history, basically, to be a rookie, and these guys are out there balling, and and Justin Herbert, you know, a lot of people going back to delete tweets about Justin Herbert right about now. David, I appreciate you taking <laughs> the time. Thank you, Peter. All right, before we finish up, let's talk about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. That is as simple as I can make it for you. They have 18 amazing flavors, including six new ones like caramel brownie, carrot cake, cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake. That's to go with their stalwarts, German chocolate, peanut butter, double chocolate, peanut butter brownie, all of them covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, but at the same time, they will not ruin your diet, they won't ruin your day by making you feel guilty. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. They are legitimately delicious. Go check them out. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on to get $10 off your next order. That's builtbar.com, the promo code locked on to get $10 off at builtbar.com. One storyline that snuck up on me as these games were playing out, all of a sudden I looked up at the standings and the Browns are 3-1 and one 
after an impressive win against the Dallas Cowboys, such that you think the Cowboys are at least a decent team, 49-38. to 38. Joining me, host of Locked on Browns, Jeff Lloyd. And Jeff, this was a game that was absolutely drunk. I, wild <laughs> stuff happened. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. is uh, still good at football, it turns out. Seven touches, three touchdowns. Every time he touched it, it seemed like he was going to take it the distance. I'm trying to figure out. I had a, a long conversation with David Harrison of Locked On Bucks, wondering if they're good. The Browns are three and one. Are they? Are they a good team? Peter, I think they're just scratching the surface, and I think a lot of people got sure. confused by Week One. And with Week One, you know, against a team like Baltimore, where they were so established, and they really didn't need the offseason or preseason games or a long training camp. The Browns, they were, you know, adapting on the fly. So I think a lot of people took that week one loss and wanted to basically label that as what this Browns team was. Look, a win against the Bengals, a win against Washington. Yes, I understand where people may be saying, okay, we don't know what to believe yet. Um, for the bigger parts of Cleveland media, cleveland.com, nobody predicted the Browns to, you know, even be into this game today. I really felt the Browns had a really good shot here today. I actually predicted them yesterday for a win. They had the best running game that Dallas was going to see all season. They had the best offensive line that Dallas was going to see all season today. And if you want to quibble over the Rams, whether or not the Browns came in with the best defensive line that Dallas has seen to this point this season. The Browns went yeah. in there, and I think they're starting to understand who they are. They're starting to get a little bit more comfortable with who they are as a team what they do and do not well. Um, and that's where this came down today. And even when Nick Chubb went down, and look, I'm not going to lie, and everybody else, oh, no, this isn't good. But they stuck to the script. They stuck to who they are. They stuck to what they do well. And it turned out. Granted, they maybe shut it down too soon with going to prevent offense, prevent defense. And that's what led to this game You know, feeling like it was a 75-minute game as opposed to a 60-minute game. But this team is starting to get their teeth in, starting to get comfortable with who they are and what their identity is. And the other thing was is Odell Beckham, I've been saying this for weeks now, it's still there. This guy, he's still yeah. the Lamborghini, Ferrari, whatever you want to call him. That's still in his body. He's always played well against Dallas. And we kind of felt that maybe this was the week where he could get fat again. And he most certainly did. And now this team sits at 3-1. and one. You know, still big games to come. But this is one when you originally looked at the, uh, the schedule when it came out, you thought maybe this was going to be a loss. And this is where good teams, you know, maybe make the playoffs. You steal games that maybe you originally thought you weren't going to win. So obviously a great day for this franchise. And Coach Stefanski and all the staff, everybody working in unison, got to feel really good about themselves right now. Yeah, and, and I, I'm glad you mentioned identity because to me that was the big takeaway. You look at this team, 40 carries, 40 rushes, 307 yards. They averaged almost eight yards a carry, three touchdowns on the ground. Kareem Hunt looks like his old self. You Obviously, you get the huge play with Odell Beckham on the on the end around. That is a reminder of just how electric he ball. is with the ball in his hands. This team with Kevin Stefanski and the, and the play-action-based offense that, that they want to run they have an identity. They are, they are starting to look like they know who they are. And I, I, I'm looking at them going, why not the Browns? Because I, I, I was certainly not a, a believer in them going into the season. I thought they had a lot to figure out. 
it looks like they're starting to figure it out. And the AFC is wide open. So why not the Cleveland Browns as a wild card team that could go in and, and give some of these other teams that we think of as more established, you know, a, a real run for their money? Well, you look at what they're doing on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, and the, this even goes on the offensive side of the ball. And it seems weird and it seems so 1980s. Win in the trenches. Their offensive line is fantastic. Their defensive line is very good. Granted, their offense, if you spread it all out, pretty much good everywhere. They're still working out the kinks at the linebacker position. Jacob Phillips back today had a three-play sequence that was phenomenal. And granted, he's just getting back. He barely played week one against Baltimore. Mac Wilson slowly integrating his way back into the defense as well. Then you go to the secondary. They still haven't seen Greedy Williams, and everybody wants to give him a hard time. We have no idea where Greedy Williams is in year two. He's barely been a participant, whether it was camp or in the regular season to this point. But you got Kevin Johnson. You got Terrence Mitchell. You have Denzel Ward. Um, Safety still has is a work in progress. There's no doubt about that. But you win in the trenches. It covers up for a lot of wherever you may be deficient other places. It's really great to see this. And I think as the success comes, and I think this team is going to build off of that and where their deficiencies and where they may be lacking are, I think these guys will grow more confident. And even today, the first touchdown to CeeDee Lamb, which was a miscommunication. And look, no OTAs, you know, a small amount of training camp, no preseason. Look, we're to the point now where that's not an excuse. Um, it's week four. Um, miscommunication, that's bad. Look, I mean, it, it, you know, step it up. Everybody get on the same page. And yes, it's been a revolving door, but it's not an excuse. But more and more of these guys start to get comfortable with the confidence that this offense can overcome you know, some of the things the defense is going to give up. I think it's just a great thing to see. And look, once you get confidence, three-game winning streak, which now has not happened for this team since 2001, um, I was in my 20s. Pete, you were probably just in short pants at the time. But that just makes everybody <laughs> feel better. It just makes everybody feel more confident. And I think for the first time, anybody wearing this uniform believes in what the product is as far as the Cleveland Browns are concerned. And that's what today's win brought to this franchise. Three and one. Uh, you Obviously, you were you know, one and one on the road, two and oh at home. Everybody's feeling good about themselves. And that's what you're striving for. How dare you? I was a freshman in high school in 2001. Uh, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, this is definitely going to be a team <laughs> that I think week to week is going to be able to bring some major firepower to these games. Whether the defense can hold up, I think, is a question. Whether the offense can be this consistent, certainly a question. But they're going to be fun to watch. Jeff, I appreciate it. Oh, anytime, Pete. You know that. And uh, you know, obviously, all the best to you. Um, tomorrow night as the Packers take the field, looking strong to this point, and all the best to you and the misses and the little Nino. We're running long, so no Monday Minute on the show today. We'll try and get it back next week. But there's a lot going on in the NFL right now, and and hopefully we don't have to spend as much time every day talking about what's the latest with COVID. Unfortunately, we knew there were going to be tests. We knew there were going to be uh, players that were going to have to sit out because of this. We hope there will be no more outbreaks. We hope there will not be anything as bad as what's going on in Tennessee. We hope teams follow the rules. We hope that keeps everyone safe. And we hope these games can get played as they are currently slated. Because the more this happens, the more the schedule gets compressed, 
and the tighter everything gets, the harder the season gets to finish. And everything gets harder to finish on time, of course. We'll be back tomorrow. Ross Jackson and Luke Braun are your faithful hosts on Tuesday. I'll be back again next Monday. Hopefully, all the games will be, have been played. All the games that were supposed to be played will have been played. And we can talk a lot more football on that show. Follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the network on Twitter at Locked On NFL Pods. So until then, stay Locked On NFL.